Good morning, members. It is Thursday, the 15th of September. Welcome to your morning meeting. Marcus, let's hear what's happened overnight. Yes, hi, Chi-Chi. Well, bit of an odd night overnight. We were expecting to find out whether Tuesday's massive fall was going to extend or be a one-day wonder, and we don't have the answer overnight. Dow Jones up 30 points in what was described as a directionless session that failed to recover from Tuesday's carnage. It was up 172 at best, down 220 at worst. Futures this morning were up 9, and we don't know what to do either. We're up 15, having been up 30, and that follows our 181 point fall, 2.6% fall yesterday. NASDAQ was up a touch, 0.74%. Technology, one of the better sectors, and the S&P 500 up 0.3, VIX volatility index down 4%. Europe really quite behaved itself, considering that it missed probably half the US session on Tuesday. It could have cratered overnight, but it didn't. Stocks 600 index only down 0.86. Helping the market overnight was a PPI number, producer price index number, after the CPI number came in higher than expected. If the PPI number had done the same, the market probably would have carked it, but it was pretty much in line with expectations, which was well received, described as a pleasant surprise in one newswire. The PPI is still dropping, even though the CPI is still rising. And there's a chart of that in the pre-market section today. Also, interestingly, overnight, the interest rate fears remain. The two-year bond yield was up another four basis points to a 15-year high. US 10-year bond yield dropped a couple of basis points, so the yield curve inverted even further. But the odds of a 100 basis point, a 100 basis point rate rise in the next Fed meeting backed off a bit from 31% to 24%. So nobody really knows what to do. Railroad stocks the feature overnight in the US. There is a threat of a national rail network strike. The unions sure know the right time to go on strike two months ahead of midterm elections in the middle of an inflation bubble caused by supply chain issues. Anyway, they are talking to the government. Commodities didn't do too much. BHP and Rio were both down a touch in the US overnight. The resources sector was one of the worst performers, down 1.3%. Alcoa was down 10.9%. The iron ore price down 1.6%. The energy sector was the best performer overnight and is one of the best performers in our market as well today. Few headlines. Ukraine leader promises victory. Argentina inflation nears 80%. China poised to shake up economic leadership. Armenia and Azerbaijan clash again. Google loses challenge against EU antitrust decision. Tesla sued by drivers over alleged false autopilot self-driving claims. End of COVID pandemic is in sight, says World Health Organization. And there you go. So I'd say there's a bit going on, but there's not a lot going on in our market. We've got a Eurozone inflation number on Friday. We had UK inflation numbers yesterday. They were okay. We've got jobs numbers and an RBA bulletin out today, but I'm stealing Leighton's thunder. Over to you, Leighton. What's happening in our market? Thank you, Marcus. So yeah, as you said, the ASX 200 is tracking along okay this morning. We're currently up 16 points. We have been up as much as 29 points, and the futures were only up nine this morning. The energy sector has been the star performer so far. Woodside is up 3.5%, and Santos is up 3.1%. And there's a few coal stocks that are doing okay as well. Whitehaven Coal is up 3%, and Coronado is up 8.6%. The banks are doing well this morning, following a fairly significant fall yesterday. Both CBA and NAB were down over 3% on yesterday's fall. And the resources are also doing okay 
okay today. BHP, Rio and Fortescue are all trading higher. BHP and Rio are both trading higher, but South32 is down 7.5% as it goes ex-dividend today. It was quite a big dividend. It was 5.7% net and 8.1% gross yield on that one. Gold and lithium are sort of just holding their own today. Same with technology, not really going anywhere. And the healthcare and industrial sectors are taking a bit of a hit, both trading lower. And Fletcher Building, that's FBU, is down 6% as it goes ex-dividend as well. On the calendar, as you said, Marcus, we've got jobs numbers today and the RBA Bulletin, UK interest rate decision tonight, and we've got US retail sales out tonight and the initial jobless claims tonight as well. A few of the announcements today. Select Harvests is up 11.5% on a crop and market update. Global Lithium Resources, that's GL1, is up 10.5% as Mineral Resources increased its stake in the company to 8%. And Dacian Gold is down 3.5% as it reported July to August production numbers, which exceeded targets but still slipping a bit there, probably on the back of that gold price fall overnight. And just one broker update as well that I've got here this morning. UBS has a buy recommendation on James Hardy Industries following their investor days in New York. They said that the key takeaways were unchanged guidance and strategy under the new CEO, which the broker sees as a positive. And James Hardy is still dealing with shock shortages in the US. However, order backlogs are expected to support FY23. The broker also suggests that significant upside remains in Europe and notes that energy prices will crimp performance in the near term though. The target price remains at $52.50, which implies a 54.5% upside. And the average target price there from the brokers is 43% above the current share price. And just looking at the recommendations, they're in the newsletter there today, but there's three buyers, two overweights and one neutral. So pretty good response from the brokers there. And I'll pass back to you now, Chi-Chi. Well, I'm going to pass back to you because you've got the long-term portfolio update for us as well, haven't you? Sure do, Cheech. I'll run straight into that one. I'm still writing it up this morning. It'll be out by midday in the newsletter. There was no changes this week in the portfolio. Our main concerns are obviously inflation and interest rates at the moment and just the general market direction where we're heading from here. Is it going to be continuing down or will we get a bounce off this? Performance was tracking really nicely this week. We're up around 5% until that 2.5% fall yesterday in the market, which saw the portfolio fall by just about as much, but it was still good to see some outperformance on the way up and also on the way back down. Nothing on the calendar this week or next week. We've got some shareholder meetings coming up towards the end of the month. And looking at the portfolio x-ray this morning, everything is still right up in that top right-hand corner where we want them to be. I haven't finished checking off the movements of all the stocks just yet, but I'll have that up later in the newsletter. Thank you, Cheech. Thank you very much for that, Leighton. And Marcus, straight back to you for your strategy. Yep, still writing up strategy, being there in a minute, but not terribly impressed with the US overnight. I was looking to sell and go to cash with the two holdings we've got left in the strategy portfolio. And I think I will get on with that today. So we will cash up. There was no immediate rebound. And as I say, I think the market looks a little bit like a a bear cornered. Is it about to blow up again? Or is it about to wander off into the woods and disappear? 
it's still there, I think, is the message. That was a really rather nervous overnight session, and this uncertainty remains, and I just can't see how the market is going to make any significant progress whilst it continues to worry about when inflation and when interest rates are going to peak. This is not the stuff of a bull market. We are in a downtrend technically already, and whilst there may be some relief from the big sell-off on Tuesday, I can't see it developing from here. The odds are against us, swimming against the tide, so we'll just cash up for the moment and sit back and watch, as I say. Good time to go and get the handicap down. So cashed up in strategy. In the ideas portfolio, we've actually survived that pretty well, despite the recent sell-off. Not looking so fabulous today. Domino's was holding its own yesterday, but it's down 4% today. And our two high-octane bets, BBUS and SNAS, which are the two ETFs doubly geared to the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 going down. After small rises in both the NASDAQ and the S&P overnight, they're down a percent or so today. So still waiting for those to come to fruition. They are a punt. It is not investment. And I did highlight it. That is for traders only, those two. The market on steroids. Otherwise, South 32 is also in the ideas portfolio today. It's gone ex-dividend today. It's dropped a little bit more than the dividend, which is disappointing. Let's see if we can strip this dividend and get out with no loss and possibly even a gain. JB Hi-Fi, we're still up on. It seems to be behaving itself quite well amidst the carnage. Brokers have got some great research out on dominoes, and we've seen a few brokers going buyers of JB Hi-Fi recently. So the ideas portfolio, waiting for the next trend to develop. If it's a downtrend, I'll be chopping those dominoes and JB Hi-Fi's. And that's about that. And just before we go, Chi Chi, Stuart has written a technical trading section today. Thursdays, I think he's going to write about sector trends. So he has given an introductory idea about how to look at sector trends and how he looks at sectors and how they're performing over various time periods and makes the point that you really need to have the sector tide running in your favor before you go pick stocks. No point picking stocks when the whole of it's top-down trend trend is against you. And I also note he writes about risk and he looks at the ATR of individual sectors and can rank sectors by how risky they are. For instance, the IT sector is predictably 50% more volatile than the healthcare sector. And you measure that through average true range ATR. And that's about that. Thank you very much for that, Marcus. Do check out Stuart's new section in the newsletter. Over to question of the day. What is your most valuable possession or what do you value most? Leighton, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I can start us off there. I bought a guitar, an acoustic guitar for myself, not sure how long ago, maybe five years ago. And that is probably my most prized possession. I didn't know you could play a musical instrument. We've got a few <laughs> musicians at Marcus today. And Marcus, how about yourself? Yes, maybe we should get Leighton to do the intro and outro music. Well, you're expecting me to say my children, but <laughs> bugger that for a game of soldiers. Or Emma, she's half valuable, I suppose, but could well be my new motorcycle arriving soon, which will be my most 
Doesn't Emma know the about asset of most interest to me, after <laughs> Emma, of course. Uh, but no, I will say the most valuable asset I have at the moment, touch wood, is my health. Because at the age of 60, I can see people's health deteriorating around me. And I can see people younger than me that look much older than me. So uh, you've got to look after yourself. <laughs> I, uh, my most valuable asset is I have fabulous genetics, yeah. which mean I'm, I'm, I'm still got the body of a 25-year-old. That's so, true. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Marcus. And myself, I would also like to concur with having the ability to wake up each morning and put a smile on my face and hopefully others. So I would like to say my most valuable asset is my smile. Yes, certainly yes. true. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. See you back here tomorrow.